Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be interviewing Sylvan, who will tell us all about his improvisational journey. We'll play a couple games and most importantly, learn how he improved his life. Let's hit it. Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans. And today I am joined by the incredibly talented producer, uh, talented bike rider, Sylvan, joining us today in studio. Sylvan, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Michael. How about you? Yeah, I, You know, I'm doing quite well. I, I like doing this on a Wednesday night because it's just, it's a highlight of my week. It really is. So thank you for being here and being the highlight of my week. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Sylvan, before we get too far into our episode, I'd love for you to share a little bit kind of your relationship with IFTP, maybe when you got started, how long you've been taking classes. Yeah, I started in June of last year um, and I took Jamie's class mm-hmm. for three months. And then I switched to Ava's class, Ava's Tuesday class. I did that for a few months. Um and then I did, uh, so that will be, I think, toward December. And then I switched to Ava's Monday class, class and I did a show in December. Oh, that was really cool. That's fantastic. We're going to yeah. talk about that more a little later because I want to hear about your experience. Great. And what you did mention, and I know, is that you also went to improv camp, right, back exactly. in October. Yeah. And yeah. I know that's where I think we met for the first time. Or we might have met over the summer. But we had some good conversations at improv camp. We did, yeah. We and we had a class together. One time I did a makeup and you were in the same class. So yes, you're right, you're right. Before camp, a little before camp. Yeah. Yeah. I think August maybe, somewhere around there. That's a good point. Good camp, memory. Camp was major in my major aspect of my relationship with uh, IFTP so far. Mm, mm. I must say. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it's one of those events where if you're choosing to go to camp, you're like, okay, I'm I'm going to commit to this. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to find out. And then you do a full weekend of improv. And I think at that point you're fully bought in. Exactly. I agree. All right. That's that's really cool. So you started in June and you've had a few different teachers, which we'll talk about more later because I think that's always interesting. But before we do, it's time to play a little three things, Sylvan. All right. So uh, any questions for me about how we play three things? No, I've played before. I like that game. All right, we got a pro. All right, so in this edition of Three Things, but it's personal, uh, we have some categories related to you. I did some digging, Sylvan. You know, went on Google, various websites, LinkedIn, uh, things like that, because I I like to dig up some stuff. All right, so here we go. Uh, For these first category, these are three things. uh, Best foods to eat on a film set. Oh, um, apples. One. Why didn't I snap? Chips. (laughs) Two. Cereal. Three. These are three things. Uh, second question. Things that are only found in France. Um, a lunch menu that is under $30. <laughs> One. <laughs> um, the Eiffel Tower. Two. And the Louvre Museum. Three. These are three things. Final category. Projects that you've worked on or produced. Oh, a film about Judd Apatow. One. A film called uh, Golden Slumbers about Cambodian cinema. Two. And um, a short movie. Three. These are three things. All right. Very nice. I I found your IMDb page, and then I found that you're a part of a production company. Or like you own, or yeah, you're the creator of a production company. Like all these things. Yeah, I started it. um, We started it, I think, 2009 with two friends of mine um, 
who they both wanted to become filmmakers mm. and we started the company in order to produce the Cambodian, the Cambodian documentary. Golden Slumbers. Golden Slumbers, exactly, yeah. And so we made that, and then we made a couple other films, and then the company's still around, but we don't have any active projects because uh, both of my friends and partners um, moved abroad mm. and started working on bigger films Wow. Okay. Uh, that we couldn't really make ourselves, so yeah. we got involved with other people. And, um, and I also moved here. So we still have the company, but uh, we're not doing anything with it right now. But we did make movies in the 2010s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw there was a, yeah, a number of projects that you created, which it, uh, I, I want to watch a few because I was like, oh, I love documentary films and just the different subjects you covered. Such a broad range, too, which I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. so one of the co-founders, his name is Davy Shu. He actually has a film coming out in February, so mm-hmm. I will mention that. It's called Return to Soul. Seoul, as in the city in South Korea, ah. and it's about a French a French young woman who is mm-hmm. um, originally from Korea. She was adopted at birth and then by French parents, mm-hmm. and it's her journey through like refusing to identify herself with anything really, mm-hmm. just being like pure, her own pure individuality, but still yeah. coming to coming to grips in a way with her roots and her origin, her biological family, mm-hmm. her the culture of Korea and things like that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's really good. It's coming out. In, it came out in France. Now it's having great, great reviews. Mm. It was actually shortlisted for the Oscars as Ooh. the Cambodia's uh, submission for best foreign film. Mm. It's not nominated, but it was like in the last 15. Yeah, it was close. Um, people are raving about it and it's coming out. I think it's coming out in February here. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So watch out for it this month. All right. And what's it called again? Road to Soul? Return, Return to, Soul. to Soul. Okay, Return to Soul. All right. And so that guy, Davey, he's a Cambodian. I mean, he's French, but his parents um, are Cambodian. So he grew up in France. Okay. But kind of a similar journey, he discovered that he had like some family background in Cambodia, went there, and then decided to make a documentary about um, hmm. Cambodian cinema, which was thriving in the 60s. Hmm. Um, it was really like this super exciting bubble of, creators, writers, producers, filmmakers, actors, and everything like that. And then they all got destroyed by the dictatorship of the Khmer Rouge mm. in, um, in the early 70s, I think. They, then they kind of, you know, yeah, wiped out changed. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killed everybody and wiped out all the culture. It's basically. sad. Yeah, just yeah, the, it's the loss of art and culture. And <clears throat> yeah, so the movie's about that. It's about mm. um, trying to, well, talking to people from that era and then also exploring how young people in Cambodia today what their relationship with that past is, mm. what the culture is like now. Um, and there's not a lot of material to show because the movies are not there. Yeah, um, they're lost. There's a little bit of it, but not that much. And the movie's more about exploring the remnants and the ghosts and the memories of that past mm. rather than showing archive and things like that. Yeah. So that's what we did um, uh, in 2009, 2010, something like that. And we that was our first movie. Mm. Um, yeah. And then the second one, well, the the next... Huge one that we made that was huge for us is was directed by my other friend Jackie, who actually lives here now. Mm-hmm. Um, who was a, who was a film critic, passionate about American comedy. And mm. We kind of uh, discovered that world together. Or he got me into it. Became really passionate about American comedy film, and then we he decided to make a documentary documentary about Judd Apatow and that's what we did that's yeah he's a big figure in American comedy wow what was your experience like working on that project it was it was pretty amazing because um he um 
through being a, a film journalist, my friend Jackie, film critic, he had interviewed Apatow before. Mm. So we were able to contact him, convince him to talk to us and make mm. a movie with us. And so we got here. It was 2013. We got here for, we stayed for like a couple months. Mm. Met him and through him, because he helped us, uh, met a bunch of the players that he was involved with at the yeah. time. So yeah. Lena Dunham for Girls, Jonah right. Hill. Uh, for you know, super bad and mm -hmm. knocked up and stuff He's like that. He's got a crew, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it's funny because so there's a bunch bunch of people around him that he helped, like he whose career he kind of helped launch mm -hmm. and or develop or take move forward. Like yeah. even Steve, we talked to Steve Carell because wow. yeah. the Forty Old Virgin is a right. movie that um, yeah. Carell wrote, pitched to Apatow, who then pitched it to a studio exec, and then they made it. And Carell wrote it with Apatow, I think, like, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So. Steve Carell also owes a lot to Apatow that collab he collaborated with a lot of people. So we met them, we were able to meet them, interview them, interview Apatow, and then cut a film uh, that's kind of about that generation, that group, which now they've all blown up. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. So when we, when we made the movie, it was kind of the end of that era of mm. um, camaraderie and proximity between all these people. Mm. Um, they were working, they'd been working together for a long time. Um, Paul Rudd, who was also part of that group, almost, uh, even said like it was almost like being in a band because we would be on each other's movies all the time. Yeah, there's everybody's jumping around. You're like, oh, it's that guy from that other movie. And yeah, from you that's know, so basically true. Anchorman yeah. and the Forty Year Old Virgin, all yeah. the way to um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, right. Funny People, yep. and stuff like yep. that. And all those like movies. That. Uh, even down to um, um, what's it called? Um, Bridesmaids. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when we made the movie, it was like that era was kind of like freshly behind all of them because mm. they mm -hmm. all they were all blowing up. And yeah, because it was the two thousands, and then yeah, now they don't really make movies together, but they all yeah. like they probably look back very fondly on that time in their lives. I believe it. Yeah, I I don't think a lot of movies like that aren't really made anymore. I feel like it's no, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. no, you're right. Um, the um, for me the last one was this is the end which Judd Apatow did mm. not produce but it was produced by Seth Rogen but they're all in there yeah it's poking all, fun of the same guys as yeah. like very entitled actors and celebrities so that was a very fun movie to watch mm. knowing knowing that they all had history together mm -hmm. and um and now yeah it was like, it was it was a period of very of like probably high level of creativity among all these people. And that was very exciting as a yeah. movie goer to watch, yeah. especially discovering American comedy and being like, it was kind of new to me, all that stuff. So mm. wow, that is, that is amazing. I still remember the summer I was discovered back to back, super bad and uh, knocked up. Mm. And um, I was like, I'd never seen a movie like that. <laughs> you know, the, the dialogue. So like, Sparks are sparks are flying all the time. Yes, Jonah yeah. Hill and Michael Sarah and yeah. Superbad, like the chemistry between them, back so. and forth. Yeah. Um, and it's it's obviously it's raunchy. It's dudes among this, themselves. But mm -hmm. if you think of, you know, I think it's a <laughs> it's a probably pretty true portrayal of what it's like to be in your early twenties, living with your roommates in L.A. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You smoke weed and you talk about whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's not entirely inaccurate. Yeah. And Knocked Up, Knocked Up also blew my mind for that reason because I, I mm. never seen like, I don't know, a group of guys portrayed that way in kind of a realistic, improv, a lot of improv on, mm -hmm. on the sets. Um, realistic way. And then I thought it was very sweet the way that, like, oh, the premise of the movie is like, okay, 
we're going to take this, this goofball, Seth Rogen, and just match him with this amazing and uh, successful, strikingly beautiful lady, Catherine mm. Heigl. Yeah, she's got it together. Yeah. She, yeah, she has a career. She's smart. She's, she's gorgeous. She's very intimidating, also very sweet. And then they put them together, and we're just going to assume that it's going to work, <laughs> which is not realistic, really, yeah, but, but we're all assuming that it's going to work and see how it works. And then you can, it's really, it's kind of cool because you can see that movie, how awkward Seth Rogen is all the time mm. and how he's almost like, in a, in a way, he's, he's in situations where he doesn't belong. You know, when he's hanging out with her and her family, Paul Rudd and, and uh, Leslie Mann, they're right. all like, look, yeah. they're all like picture perfect. And he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's just his laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's making bad jokes. You know? Now, yeah. he, now it's different. Now he's very much an insider. So yes, he can't really yes, be that yes. character anymore, but it no, was, it was kind of cool changed. to see him that way. Yeah. Yeah. And in those early days, I think, mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, I'm just thinking about how influential, like 2000 to 2010, just the films that were made in that time and how, how all those actors, I think, I mean, they started in improv, a lot of those guys. I mean, even uh, Judd Apatow, I yeah. know. Mm -hmm. Judd Apatow, Adam McKay, mm -hmm. like a lot of those people who are all closely linked. Yeah, we talked to uh, Adam McKay and we learned, that, that I didn't know, but I learned, somebody else told us that Adam McKay is a god of improv. Yeah. He, I've never seen him, but I, 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 wish I, I, I wish I'd seen him do improv, but apparently yeah. he's like really... I would love to see him as well. I only know stories about it from like reading and different things. He was yeah. one of the kind of involved in like the early foundings of UCB with like Amy Poehler and all yeah, those folks. So right, 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 he was yeah. in on that scene. Yeah, and obviously Steve Carell. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Steve Carell. And Farrell also, Will Farrell also mm -hmm. with the groundings. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. all these people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Christian Wick too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I would say we did a good job of touching on that third category I asked you about. And, oh, that was fascinating. Thank you for just expanding on that, your, your experience working in, with your own production company and documentary filmmaking. Uh, I want to touch on those other two categories as well, of course, and then we'll get to our improv interview. Uh, so that second court category, I asked you uh, things that are in France that aren't, or yeah, things you can only find in France. Yeah. And uh, that first one, you really, you really burned me there. A lunch menu with under $30. I will, yeah, so... Um, Maybe that's something <laughs> I will say that's something that Paris does better than LA mm. is an affordable lunch menu. And so mm. I was just there like last month, right? And I had lunch with a with a friend of mine, and I, I mean I, I noticed that before. Um, you can go to in Paris, you can go to the to a very nice restaurant, as nice as any like trendy restaurant in West Hollywood or something, and you can get a lunch menu with starter, main, and dessert for between 19 and 35 euros, mm. depending on where you go. And I know a couple of places now where if I'm there, I think if I want to have lunch with Maeve, my wife, or with a friend who's there, we'll just go there and have like amazing food for an affordable price. And I think mm. that's because, um, I think that's because of the culture, people's habits. Uh, they really have the habit of going to lunch at a restaurant in the middle of the workday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just done a lot and, and yeah. Paris is very dense. So there's a lot of people, a lot of businesses everywhere. So a lot of people need a spot to, to go to lunch. So I think those, those restaurants, they just built those menu, affordable menus around that. Mm. And if you go to dinner, it's probably twice as expensive, but the food for lunch, it's probably as nice as the food you get for dinner. I believe and it's it. definitely as nice as the food you'll get here oh, yeah. for lunch or dinner. Probably better. <laughs> and it's, and it's um, it's affordable, so um, I don't know. It's well, first like it's nice not to spend as much money, and it's also it takes like something out of it, it takes some of the pressure out of it. Mm. It's more like 
I'm at the bistro with my friend. We're going to have an informal lunch and just shoot the breeze. Yeah. Versus I'm going out for the, the only time this month because that's the only time. I can <laughs> only spend expensive. $200 once a month or something and, like that. And then you do that and the food's not even that good. That's, that's what always happens. That's the worst. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it pays to know the good spots and you can, and you can do that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. That's an interesting point. And I think and, definitely an interesting cultural discussion too is, yeah, we got some expensive lunches out here and dinners. Oh man! And I'm sure there's, there's good stuff here that's affordable, but sure. I, I haven't been here long enough to uh, to you know know my way around yeah. all of these. Yeah. Yeah, and the famous ones are very pricey. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I would agree with that. All right, um, and then that uh, first category. I just uh, well, I was thinking about it. Well, just looking at your kind of career history and like knowing that you've probably been on a number of sets. Uh, and just thinking about like, I was like, well, what do people do on sets? Oh, it's about eating snacks. Like, so I was just curious. And I think you mentioned cereal, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of cereal would you want to eat on set? Any kind? Or is there a particular brand or type? Um, probably Cocoa Puffs. Oh, that's an excellent choice. I think that's my favorite cereal. But I will, I will tell you, in all honesty, why I said this, why mm. it came back. It ties back to the Jadapato documentary hmm. because um, Siegel, Jason Siegel, who was on the series Freaks and Geeks. Mm. Oh yeah. He told us Freaks a, and Geeks. Yeah. It's, it's a great show. It's a great. Yeah. He told, he told us a, a very funny story that he tells, I think about that show because the show got canceled and mm-hmm. it was as, as this season was going, it was less and less backed by the network. Mm. So they had less and less money. Oh, and yeah. he said, the, the craft service went from being this lavish spread to just a box of cereal and a creamer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that's a memory they all have about, the, about yeah. the show. Yeah, That's why I come up with cereal, even though mm. I'm not even sure you'll find cereal on set. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, cakes. Cakes and fruit. Yeah, yeah. Those are both good choices. Mm. Fruit, I mean, that's something you can just grab, too, and take it with you. you grab an apple, banana, orange, whatever. Cakes, fruit, and coffee. And... and um, and on a French set, yeah. if you're lucky, or if they take good care of you, or if you want to be well liked by the crew, mm. you bring um, croissants and chocolate Ooh. croissants. Yeah, some baked goods. Yeah, that'll. Oh, I would. I'd go for that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds yeah. good to me. But I agree. I think a steady diet of fruits, cake, and coffee—that's the way to go. Yeah, that's. I think I kind of eat that way now. <laughs> yeah, and probably if you have like a decades-long career in, in movies. You better eat the fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to keep coming back, yeah. Stay healthy, not get sick or anything. That's that's a good point. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah. I appreciate your insight on that. You ready to talk about some improv? I sure am. All yeah. right, absolutely. All right, Sylvan. So I want you to think back. Um, when was the first time in your life that you just heard about improv? Not necessarily tried it, but just heard about it or learned what it was. I think it's probably in high school. Uh, mm. It's a vague memory, but I remember a teacher, my Spanish teacher mentioned in it, mm. which um, sounds weird now because I, I don't remember doing improv with her. Mm. I wouldn't have done improv in Spanish in yeah, high school. No, that's, <laughs> that's surprising. But, uh, she told us, uh, here's what she told us. She told us in Quebec, uh, they play a lot of hockey, mm. but when it's the summer and there's no ice out, they, don't, they didn't know what to do. So they came up with uh, improv. And improv uh, as a sports, like comedy sports, where you have two mm. teams competing against each other, yeah. and, and you know they they tag up, they team up, and then there's points, there's fouls, there's rules and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, apparently uh, improv is big in Quebec, and 
Um, so in French speaking Montreal, let's say, mm. and it's a lot about the games, like the matches. Yeah, which yeah. is actually when I did a little improv in Paris uh, mm. year, years later, and uh, our teacher um, he would often t to like, tell us like uh, this is what you need to do, like given pointers. He would also go back to uh, what it's like to be in a game. Mm. in a match pit, pitted against another improv team and having to compete and stuff like that. Things like, um, you know, when, when the, there's a whistle and the whole team is not, or, or a short countdown and the whole, the whole, all of the improvisers that are required are not on set mm. by the time it's, uh, the whistle's done or whatever, you get a foul, you get a penalty because not everyone was on set mm. at the start. Mm. And that helps you know that um, when people are clapping, like let's hear it for him you as an improviser it's a good thing to just walk on yeah. and start doing something as the clap is going that way yeah, it's like wait. a really good open you know you're in it already yeah. as opposed to waiting for the clap to end and like okay i'm going to do some space work now now i'll start yeah like okay yes yeah that's yeah. that's very true because i think it helps keep the audience invested right because yeah. there's not a lull in the action it just keeps going which is you want that in sports too so yeah so yeah, randomly in high school, and then the first, the first world uh, I was aware of was those those competitions, mm. which I, I'm not involved in now. And, yeah, you know, it's not what FTP does, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, I know a little bit. I know there's an organization called Comedy Sports, and yeah. I know they they have a presence uh, here in the U.S. Like I had friends in college who were like, "Yeah, I used to do comedy sports when I was in high school," and I I never got a chance to do it myself. But I think it's a really interesting idea of like. Uh, just the idea of like, hey, we're going to play some improv, but it's scored, it's competitive, and it's a face-off against this other team, which I think could be a lot of fun. It's definitely something I would yeah, like to try. I, I think the basic rules are the same. You know, it's improv, so the, the building blocks are the same. And then you get you get things like, um, you're, you're going to do a scene, but you're going to do it um, in the manner of a Tarantino movie. Mm. And you have to know what that means. and kind of, yeah. yeah, the cultural knowledge as well around it. Yeah. Exactly. You're going to do a scene, you're going to do a genre, for example. Mm. Which we did, like when we did the show uh, in December, directed by Ava. He, she had she she had a scene which was genre, and she would give us uh -huh. give the performers a movie genre, and they had to switch mm. from horror film to western or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of flip it up. Ah, oh, that's fun. That's fun. I like that game a lot when you get to play all those genres. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so your high school Spanish teacher mentioned improv in relation to the Canadians needing something to do over summer, right? Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that because it's very obscure, but I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like given the explanation, right? Um, okay. So you heard about it. You probably didn't think about it too much. You kind of just, you know, you were in high school and you kept doing high school. Were you involved in any performing arts, plays, theater, anything like that? No, not at all in high school. Hmm. Really not. And then um, when I went to business school after, there was an improv team there. Hmm. But I will say uh, um, I was wrong, but I didn't like them. <laughs> Why did you and not like them? They were very popular, mm. and I think that's why I didn't like them. <laughs> they were like, ah, I don't need, I don't need any of that. Yeah, being being the you know the judgmental, um, <laughs> pedantic guy that I was in my late teens, early twenties in in business school, mm. I kind of I was like, I looked kind of down upon them because they were very popular. So they were invited all the time. Like right. there was an assembly yeah. or an event or something oh, like that. Yeah. Let's bring on the improv team. They'll do, okay. they'll do a bit on the theme of whatever's going on. Okay. Yeah. I and, could understand that, that I might and, side with you, <laughs> but I wasn't into it and they were good. Like I remember some, some, I still remember some, some bits that they made that were, that were, that were kind of cool. Mm. People loved them. Yeah. So I don't know. 
sort of being sort of being like a contrarian or kind of like <laughs> a, in a bad mood all the time in school mm-hmm. at the, the, those years. I don't know really why I wasn't into it, but I wasn't. But then after, um, again, years later, when I was here uh, doing the, the Aptown movie, mm. we went to UCB. Ah, and that changed yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. But what was be- that like? So I think we saw, we, I think we may have seen an ASCAT, so the, mm, the mm-hmm. Amy Poehler thing, oh, or yeah. the UCB thing, where there's a monologist and everything. Yes. So yeah. we saw some pretty seasoned performance. Yeah, you've seen the pros get up there and do it, which yeah. that'll catch your attention. Yeah, that's pretty, that was pretty mind-blowing. And then we saw, we saw a bunch of younger dudes, and we, uh, younger performers, and we saw uh, Convoy, which is a pretty established, mm-hmm. uh, who is a pretty established group also, like they've been doing it for a long time. I think now they have the pack. But but back yeah. then there back then they were at UCB and um, they blew my mind. Like my friend told me, like you'll see them. Like they're really brainy. They're really mm-hmm. smart about that improv. It's kind of out there. And then I saw them do it. It was like it's just doing doing bit after bit after yeah. bit. The efficiency of it. Um, and I was I remember thinking, I know this is improv, but they must have like bits of scene that they that yeah they must have they've rehearsed so that they can use in place here and there you know i still thought like i couldn't really wrap my brain around the fact that it was a hundred percent made up Mm. on the spot and not like stuff that they've rehearsed before like if you do this and i'm gonna do this Mm. it's just them knowing each other so well and being so good at improv that it just they make it look alive and and written even though it's not so that was that was pretty crazy Yeah. yeah yeah and um, and knowing, also knowing that all these movies were made with a lot of improvisation mm. on set because uh, they all they all come from improv, yeah. so that's how the magic happens. You yeah. keep like Adam McKay keeps shouting to uh, Will Ferrell, "Give me another one! Give me another one! Yeah, give me, another, give me another take!" Yeah, yeah. And I think you have a very unique like perspective on this because you got an insider look talking to a lot of these people who were involved in those films and then going to see a show at UCB and just like. That's that's an incredible kind of exposure to like okay yeah I saw improv you know when I was in college there was a team and they were good but eh, not really my thing but then uh, coming to see like some of the people who were for a while were at the top of their craft right making these comedy films and using improv to help inspire scenes and bits and stories and just funny moments is I mean that's that's pretty special yeah and you see how how it all ties in like mm-hmm. why they all why they all so good at that is because they, they try, they try, they try to spend a lot of time, a lot of time doing it. Yeah. Um, on these movies that they were making, they were shooting so much, so much. Mm. Um, they had so much material and then they would cut it together. They told us, I think that's probably a famous story, but um, on Anchorman, they would just let Steve Carell, oh, yeah. let him loose at the end of every take. <laughs> like just, we're going to, we're just not cut and just let you, let you do, do your yeah, thing at the end of think, Barry, Steve, yeah. And he would just keep doing, keep doing. Yeah. And then that's why he's like the funniest character in the yep. movie. And yeah. one of the funniest characters I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rick Tamlin. Yeah, yep. <laughs> one of my favorites. I mean, you hear some of those lines he says, and it, yeah, I just have to think, there's no way anyone wrote that. It's just him there in front of the camera saying things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty amazing. I, I definitely believe it. Okay, wow. And then um, um, back in France... Hmm. Couple of years after, my I had a friend from business school, who, from that school, who wasn't in the improv group at that time, but he started improv after school, like as a young, mm. I don't know, as, as just as a young adult. And mm-hmm. um, I went to see a couple of shows by him, and I thought it was very cool. Like, you know, at, at a picture him and his buddies 
in the basement of a bar in Paris mm. with like three rows of chairs. You have your beer and you watch the show. It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he's yeah. good too. Yeah. He was telling me. And then he told me about you know, some of the books, some of the players in Chicago. He was really into the Chicago oh, scene, like yeah. reading, you know, the compass players, and truth and comedy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I saw him a couple of times. I think I was like, oh, maybe I should sign up for this. Yeah. Yeah. So he convinced you to sign up. All right. Yeah. And so you went from being like, oh, the improv group to, I'm in, I'm doing this. I'm yeah. taking classes. Yeah. So what was that like? You signed up for your first improv class. How did it go? Uh, it went well. Um, I, it was um, the mid 2010s, I think. Mm. Something like that. Um, I went to a neighborhood fair where they were presenting all the neighborhood like mm. societies or activities. Yeah, different and groups like or that. clubs. And- yeah. So I went to the park by my house. I knew there was an event and I was like, I saw um, a flyer for improv and I spoke to the lady and I told her, like, I forget what I asked her, but she said, she said something that resonated with me. She was like, it's not really about, I was asking her about the style of improv that they do, I mm-hmm. think. And she said, it's not really about comedy. You're just trying to be in the scene. Mm-hmm. And then whether it's funny or not, that's secondary. I'm yeah. Like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't. Either way, it's good. Yeah. So I went and then I, um, I did it for, I think I did it almost for a full year. Then I moved out of Paris. So mm. I stopped and I came back and did it for another full year. So like a year and a half of improv in France. Wow, yeah. In France yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. With the same teacher, mm. all pretty much the same group throughout because you would sign up for a year, I think. So you pay, yeah, we paid either quarterly or for the whole year. So people don't always, you know, show up every day and there's sure. sometimes there's new people, but for the most part, it was the same core group. So that, that was pretty cool. Like, you know, getting to learn cause we were all beginners getting to learn with this guy as a group, for like a full year and a half was pretty cool. Yeah. And how often would you meet? Was it once a week? Once a week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty standard, I think. Yeah. I was thinking that I was like, what if you're going every day? No, <laughs> that would be too much That's I bananas, think, for, yeah. for anyone. Yeah. All right. So that's really interesting. Um, So I want to ask, because now that you've been here doing improv at IFTP and then versus your time doing improv in France, what do you, what are some things that are maybe similar about improv in France and here in LA? And what are some of the differences? I'll tell you um, something that um, appealed to me right away at IFTP is when I saw on the website that uh, some of the members have been here for years. Mm -hmm. And that felt very different. And the fact that it's month to month, mm-hmm. so you can stay on as long as you like, really. Yes. Uh, that felt very different from just knowing about how other theaters do it, because a lot of the theaters here in LA, they do like you pay for six weeks. And then if you want to move on, you can, you can if, even if you're not a beginner, you've done improv before, you have to pay for the 101 before, yes, you, do. before you move on. And it's everyone six starts weeks, at and the 101. Yep. yep. So there's, there's, um, the flexibility at IFTP I thought was like very welcoming and mm. knowing that people have been doing it for a while. I was like, Oh wow. It's, it's really cool. Like I could picture a group that was similar to the one I had in Paris mm. being like, um, people of all different backgrounds and different ages and who do improv and they want to do it for like a year or more versus doing a, a short cycle of six weeks and then yeah. move on to the next or not, you know? So that's very similar. And then when I, when I did my first class with Jamie, um, from the, the people that were there, the diversity of the people, especially in age, mm. 
And it was normal people there, not like, um, um, you know, people in their 20s who did improv in college. Or, right, right. Uh-oh, like that's all, mean. <laughs> all, all kinds of different people. Yeah, um, yeah, variety. A lot, a lot of beginners. So I felt right at home. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like, this reminds me a lot of the improv that I had um, in France. Mm. And then the, the building blocks are the same. Like, he, he, there was, there's no... In France, I don't remember hearing like a word-for-word -word translation of some of the phrases that we use here, like the tools, like yes and, justifying, mm. things like that. But what our teacher would tell us was amounted to the same thing. Yeah. Somebody says no, shuts another player down. He'll be like, you know, if you say no, the scene goes nowhere. If you say yes and then you, 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 know, you acknowledge what you accept what they brought, then the scene can move on. Things mm. like that. He would say it that way and not like saying, like, teach us yes and in an exercise doing yes and really. Mm. Um, and then um, yeah his personality was a little different uh, from the personalities of the, of the the from the teaching style here at IFTP I think he was a little more uh, a little more a little more of a tough love mm. um, that, that was probably his personality maybe it's also the teaching style in France where you don't have to um, you don't people care less maybe in France about being positive all the time yeah they can kind of egg you on by like forcing you to do something mm -hmm. provoke you a little bit mm -hmm. IFTP it's always very um, heartfelt heartwarming supportive whenever there's feedback right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever happened like it was it was it was great I really liked the way you did this I really liked the way you you did that and then here's what you can do here's what you can do here's what you can do that's mm -hmm. kind of the way uh, feedback works at AFTP it's very supportive and then people get are empowered to to um, to try to try something else or to to make progress and they don't feel um, they don't feel uncomfortable just because they're beginners and they're they're uh, you know it's hard for, it's challenging for everybody mm -hmm. in France it was a little more of like Okay, you did that, but like if you if you if you did it that way, it might be more interesting. You know, it's just like a little more um, less less nice. Yeah, yeah. Even though he was nice and a, and a pretty good. Yeah, teacher. of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I mean you were there for a long time. I doubt he was a mean guy. <laughs> you kept coming back, and I yeah. I imagine other folks did too. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, I'm thinking about those teaching styles. That's very true. Like. Yeah, just the difference of like that tough love versus like the almost like compliment sandwich is what I would call it, where, you know, we surround it with like positivity and praise, but then you're able to still get some feedback in there as well. And I think both can be good styles of teaching. Mm -hmm. And depending on who you are as a person, right, you might click with one style more than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So jumping back into your, your journey here, you're, you're doing improv in France. You said like you're doing it for a while in Paris, then you moved out of Paris, then you came back, started improv again. Yeah. Um, and then I know career career wise that kept you kind of moving all over the place. Is that true? Yeah. Or at least a few times you moved. <laughs> I moved because of, of Maeve's career, my wife. Ah. Yeah. So in Paris, we, we spent six months in the South of France because she had mm. a, a job as a manager at a restaurant, a pop-up mm. restaurant that was mm. like in residency at a hotel oh, south wow. for six months. So that, in, that was inter, interruption in, in, um, in Providence. As soon as we came back to Paris, I signed up again with the same guy. Mm. And then um, back then I told, I told her, if you ever, because she's from L.A., my wife is from L.A. Mm. I told her, if you ever want to move 
to the US, I'm mm. down. Let me know. Because yeah. I knew that she had, you know, the edge to come back. Yeah. Uh, and then she got a job. So she got a job in Berkeley. So she moved to Berkeley. And then uh, we, we were married. So we got the paperwork done for me to get a green card. Mm. It took a full year. Wow. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. And then a year, so a year later, I, I moved uh, too. And we, so we were in Oakland for three years. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Living up in the Bay Area. Yeah. 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 And then when did you come down to LA? The summer of 2021. So uh, over a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. And strangely enough, I, I did not do improv in the Bay or in San Francisco. Hmm. I took a comedy writing and directing class for like eight weeks or something. Hmm. Uh, that was really fun. Um, it w had nothing to do with improv. It was about comedy, so similarities. But I, I don't exactly know why. But maybe it's just because I'm a slow mover. Um, I'm slow to take steps to do things. Um, and then in LA, after a few months in LA, uh, I heard about IFTP, and then I looked at I looked at the website, and then I signed up. Hmm. Yeah, and here Just I am. Like that. Yeah, and you you have a past doing improv already. You're like, yeah, I've been taking classes for a big chunk of my life already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it made a lot of sense to to start it here, and also yeah. I knew that LA is a big improv. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you'd already been, you'd already yeah. seen shows and talked to a lot of folks who were in the scene. Mm -hmm. You already knew a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, have you ever has your wife ever been interested in doing improv or you like or it's just your thing um i think she wants to do a class because she she is taking acting classes mm. and she loves it she is a uh, acting coach that she loves her, um, his name is jeffrey marcus mm. um so she loves acting and she knows that it might be a good good for her to do improv but her the way her Mine works is very much like um, working very hard on the material, mm -hmm. learning it, and then drilling into the scene, and yeah. developing the scene with the material. Yeah, right? building out what's there. Yeah. So um, improv sounds like very far from, from the way her mind works mm. to her. I think she'd be, I mean, yeah, I think she'd be great at it, but it would be like um, you have to step a step out of her way, basically. But yeah. it's, it's like that for everybody when yeah. you start improv, right? Oh, you know, yeah. You, you want, you're used to being in control and then in improv you're not in control anymore and you have to let go of the part of you that wants to be in control. So she might come. She told me I will, I will not do the same class as you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to be a fly on the wall and see her do it because I, I, she's really good in her acting class and she's mm -hmm. smart so I, she would be like quick on her feet and things like yeah, that. Yeah, you like know I, what's I would there. love to see that. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. But um but I won't because she won't let me. Yeah, I, <laughs> but maybe in the future she'll, she'll sign up. Who knows? Yeah. I, I want, I've tried to ask my wife to take a class too. And she's that, <laughs> uh, I, I, I know she'd be really good in the same way. So I'm just like, ah, one day, but it's that same thing where she's like, ah, I don't know if I'd want to be in the class with you. <laughs> like at least the first one, mm -hmm. you know, cause it's kind of something that, I think for someone who's new, they, they kind of got to figure it out on their own yeah. before anyone gets better. Yeah. There's some pressure of like a loved one being right there watching them. And, you know, sometimes you just got to get your feet wet by yourself first. And then and that, that's what's fun about her being in, in her acting class and me being mm -hmm. here um, at AFTP is that where would people that we didn't know before and mm. and it's really outside of of the life that the life as that we have as a couple and the life that our social life that we have together so we have our own independent thing and i think that's really cool yeah and i think that's really important too like as a as a married couple i'm only yeah. 
I'm very newly married, so I'm only a few months into it. Congratulations. But thank you. That's thank very you. cool. Yeah. 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 But I'm I'm learning that that's something really important of like having, you know, like each person, like, yes, you are a couple, you're a unit, you know, you've made that choice, but it's also like, don't lose your individual identity. And that could, you know, be there in interests and hobbies. Like you mentioned, like the acting class and the improv class, you both have those different kind of groups that you go and spend time with. Yeah. Find something that, that is fulfilling outside of your relationship. And for me, that's doing this stuff here, being on this podcast with you right now. Yeah, for me, it's doing improv at IFTP. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to jump back to when you started at IFTP. Uh, you said, so that was June 2022, that's right? right? That's and right. you joined in Jamie's class when you started. All right, so what do you think are some things that you've learned here at IFTP that are different, uh, basically, things that you've learned from when you started to now? Because it's been uh, over six months, seven months now. I've learned that it's all about your scene partner. Hmm. Um, if you, it's, it, it, in the, by which I mean, it's about um, listening to your scene partner. And as Liam said it, and I was, that was like, wow, that's so smart. Hmm. Uh, making your scene partner seem good and feel good. Making your scene partner seem and feel good. Yeah. And if that's your focus, if you want to make them shine, and listen to what they're offering and react on that, then, then that's a good scene. Mm. Um, I also learned that you, you as, as quickly as you can, uh, when you're doing a scene, you have to make it about the relationship between the two people. Um, I think we focused on it uh, in France, but they, they really like hammered it home for me uh, after doing IFTP for a few months like a scene has to be in the relationship with the two people mm -hmm. and also about how you feel about the other person and that's always a great way to move a scene forward is mm -hmm. having a feeling or having an emotion yeah or asking yourself if you're stuck you can ask yourself how do I feel right now about the situation or more importantly how do I feel about my scene partner and then if you say something if you say something to that effect then it'll it'll something will happen in the scene, and then yeah. you'll touch on something that you can that you can pursue in the scene. So yeah, lis listening and focusing on the relationship and your feelings about that relationship. Mm. Mm. I think those are good points. Yeah, because I mean that's so true in everyday life, right? Like every interaction you have with someone, you either have or don't have a relationship, but that informs how you feel, even a stranger, right? We all have certain feelings about strangers. Maybe we're like, oh, that stranger was really nice, or oh, that stranger was kind of scary, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? But those feelings are always there. And I think, yeah, like you said, it informs an improv scene so much and can make it go somewhere. It gives a direction. Yeah, yeah and uh, another thing that I, that I learned um, by being an IFTP over a few months is that you, you can't really... Um, be judgmental when you go to class. Mm. And I, I, I've always been very judgmental. I, like I kind of grew up uh, just being judgmental. And I think that's, I think that's okay. I think it's very common and, and, and it's okay because people, people judge each other. It's yeah. a way to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're judging somebody, then yeah. you're, you're not threatened by them, right? And you're like, oh, he looks really happy. He also looks really rich, <laughs> but look yeah. at him with these pants and that hat, you know, what, yeah, what an yeah. asshole. I don't have to think about it anymore. And if you, if you're like open yeah. to, if you're not judging, you're like, Oh, you, you'll be threatened by this guy who looks happier than you are or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, also when you're, when you come out of age, it's a way to assert yourself like by the things you reject, like I don't want anything to do with that, or I don't mm. want anything to do with that kind of person. So it's 
it, it's normal to be judgmental, but you kind of have to move on from that at some point because otherwise you'll be trapped in your own bubble and then you'll, 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 you won't connect with people. Yeah. And at improv, you have no choice. Um, you, you, you cannot afford to, <laughs> to be judgy because <laughs> you have to accept um, whoever's there and what they're bringing from their own personality or the, uh, to, into a scene or into class also and just the energy of the class. Mm. So you have to be very open to people. So being a little judgmental and being um, uh, pretty introverted, that is something that I learned by being an FTP, like accept everybody for who they are mm. and they're all going to bring some magic to a scene. Whoever they are, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that, that's that's very satisfying to be able to to realize that I can be open to that, open to other people hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think improv is the place where if you don't do that, it's going to be really difficult for you. Yeah, like you said, kind of give up that judgment as soon as you walk in the door. Mm -hmm. and yeah, everyone else has to do that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's judgment on other people and judgment on yourself too. So, yep. Yeah, because I know, I know for me in my improv experience, I'm, you know, we'd like to beat ourselves up and be like, you know, oh, why did I say that? That was so stupid. Or, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. yeah, I do that. Uh, you know, that's something I'm always working on, I would say. Yeah, mm. me too. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of your favorite improv exercises that you do or that we do here? Oh, good question. I love tumble. Mm, tumble. Tell uh, me about that. So one. tumble. You have three chairs uh, that are angled in a random way. The, the, the instructor angles them on the on the stage a random way, and then three people. And then you have to walk around uh, the room, and then the teacher says tumble, and then you have to fall on the chair and take a, a position, right. whatever the position it is on the chair, and you have to stay that way. You can't move, and then the scene has to start. So you you're kind of using uh, the posi everybody's yeah. position on the chair to start a scene. And um, it's very challenging. It's it's usually a hot mess. Yes, I've had scenes where I think uh, from from one of the one of the scene partners being very quick, a very quick thinker, and coming up with like the setting right away, mm. like we're on a boat or we're in the forest or something. And then yeah, I remember I remember scenes where my two scene partners were really good at coming at justifying the position, and then you just have to play with that. And um, and a lot of uh, what happens uh, very often at tumble is that you gang up two people gang up on the on the third one and that's a super fun dynamic yeah, also yeah kind of that point of view battle that you're having yeah. yeah and then if the third one is a good sport he'll play into the the other two people ganging up on him and then it just become hilarious like I've mm -hmm. had fits of laughter by doing tumble that I'll remember forever I think or at least I hope because it was out of control like. We were doing the scene, but I, I could hardly talk. And I could kind of keep your composure. Yeah, and it's so fun. Like, it's exhilarating when that happens. I could hardly talk. That's how funny the scene was. And it's still a fun scene to watch. Yeah. And it's also fun to watch somebody who's yeah. trying to, you know, su suppress laughter yeah. on stage. It's always really, really uh, delightful. And then it was so funny that during that moment when we um, talk about the scene that just happened, I was still laughing mm. and I actually had a, it was almost like the laughter was getting emotional. Like it was almost like tears of joy, how, how mm. funny and how happy I was. Like, yeah. it's like a picture of, uh, you know, toddlers, they can't really control their emotions. Mm -hmm. So if they're angry, it's a tantrum. And if they're happy, it's like out of control, yeah. laughter, screams and stuff like that. Yeah. That's how I felt. Mm. 
just at the end of the scene, I was like, I can't stop laughing. Um, and I was, I was surprised about it. I was like, wow, that's really unique. And that's unique to improv. And it was specific for me, it was specific to the tumble scene. And it can be very hard. Like yeah, I've done tumble scenes that are, that don't really go anywhere or mm -hmm. they, they, they just go all over the place and everybody's confused the whole scene. Yes. So there's yeah. three people, right? So it's hard. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Anything more than two, it, it starts to get interesting, right? You, you really have to work to find that balance and make sure everyone gets a chance to speak and be heard and, The give and take, that's right. Yes, yeah. the give and take. That's something I learned here also that's very mm. good. Like, mm. uh, give and take, especially with, in scenes where there are several people. You you speak, you give something, you deliver something, but then you have to stop and watch what goes what goes on in front of you um, between uh, with your other two scene partners so then you can add add to it. But like, mm. don't, don't, you know, hold the... Hold the microphone too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass it around. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. And I think I was thinking about tumble. Like that, those scenes are. It's so fun seeing what everyone does with the chair. <laughs> like <laughs> they're like standing on it, climbing under it, hanging yeah. off it. Like you see some really interesting positions, or like I don't even know how people do it. Like they contort themselves around the chair. Yeah, and I think the the, the more challenging the position, or the or the the, the zaniest it is, or the, uh, the I think the better it is because if you're like, I think back on times like where I had a position where like hunched over on the chair and, and it, a position that in itself pretty much expressed like pain, mm. then I'm going to be in pain the whole scene. Yeah. And that kind of carries me because when you're making a physical choice, then that choice will carry you through a scene. Mm. It helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of goes along with space work, right? That physical choice of like, how's my body positioned? What is my body doing? Oh, now I know how I'm approaching the rest of the scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's that's why that's such a good exercise. Yeah, you nailed it right there. It's just like I put my body like this and I did the rest. Yeah, and it might it might spark a character in you. And then yeah. when you're talking character and that the character, you just have to let the character guide you, mm -hmm. which is which is fun when that happens. Yeah. Does it um like looking back on your life so far, does it surprise you like thinking about maybe when you were a kid or in high school or even in college that that you're so involved in uh, doing improv now, like you said, like, I never would have pictured that for me. I wouldn't say I was like the class clown or anything like that, mm. or a born performer, but I did enjoy like goofing around and make, making my, making people laugh. Mm. There were, I, I can remember, they're vague memories, but remember being in school and being kind of on fire at the lunch, lunch table. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and riffing, riffing for like yeah. a half hour. Oh, that's where friend. the best things happen at the lunch table. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, Later, like in school, I would, I would really be kind of a screwball, like I don't know, grab my crotch and then hurl myself against the wall in my <laughs> dorm room or something like that, just to yeah. just to make my friends laugh. Yeah, just to. Yeah, so that, you know, that that may may have led to this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so there's something I learned um, in France that I, that definitely applies to AFTP is that. Um, my teacher kept telling me, you're thinking too much, you're thinking too much, you're thinking too much. And I thought improv was like being able to think like three steps ahead of the scene. Mm. And you're doomed when you do that, right? But that you learn, you have to learn it the hard way. Because I thought, I thought that's what they did at UCB. Like they can see. Yeah, it's like chess, like they're planning it yeah. out and anticipating. You're, you know, you set it up something. Yeah. And, I, I, and whenever I think I was trying to come up with a good line or with what the story was going to be, and then... My teacher could see it in my head. Like mm. He could see the ball, the, the gears turning in my head. He was like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> stop thinking, stop thinking. Uh, you're thinking too much. You're thinking too much. Give me another one. Give me another one. He would challenge me that way. And um, mm. I think if you, 
the way I link this to improv is that if you want to be smart, um, it's not going to work in improv. I think you have to be present and, and listen to your scene partner and react, right? Um, but I think if you're, in, if you're in a scene and if you're li really living the scene, you're in it, you're engaged, you're like that character interacting with that other person, I think the smart may come back into like a good delivery or a good idea that comes out of nowhere and and um, and lands well. Mm. So trying to be trying to come up with I don't know. I think trying to be smart smart might creep up on you in a good way if you if you have a good idea during a scene. And so that's one way that my my being a little analytical or brainy or in my head may, may you know, I don't know, reveal itself in an improv yeah. scene. That's an old uh, convoluted way of, of, of tying this aspect of my personality yeah. To, yeah. to improv. But, uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, part of me is a, a, a kind of a, kind of a goof. So, mm. Yeah, and I think maybe it's just like as a kid you had ways to like do that to be a goof, right? With your friends at the lunch table or just yeah. like slamming around in the dorm rooms or whatever. And yeah. maybe yeah. improv is your way of doing that as an adult because I know, at least in sure. my life, there aren't a ton of other chances for it outside of improv and outside of class or a show or whatever. Yeah, yeah and I think I, um, I'm generally a calm person, but I do have these outbursts mm. of of energy where like, if I don't know if, if I'm at the park or something, I want to run around, do cartwheels, throw my coats in the air or something. Yeah. Or I love, Why not? yeah, yeah, and I, that's why I love uh, skateboarding too, because you had the mm. skate park or, or the spot, and you just you're just exhausting yourself, just hurling yourself at an obstacle and trying to slide on it. Yeah. Um, so that release is really really great, mm. and you get that release in improv if you do a scene or if you do a show, you know the the, the the adrenaline level is high and during class you get to be somebody you get to, you get to be a little out of control or you, you get to be a loud person right or or you you get to do a scene yeah where you exaggerate an aspect of, of somebody's somebody's um, style somebody's behavior so mm. so it's nice to have a, an outlet where you can you can be a little crazy yeah absolutely yeah. all right so you had mentioned earlier in the episode uh, that you did a show this past December and that was your, was that your first show with IFTP? It was, yeah. And had you done shows before that? I did a show in France at the end of my year, year and a half. Yeah. Mm, okay. Same, same kind of format, like um, sh short form. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what, what's your experience been like maybe performing in an improv show versus being in an improv class? Well, the, the energy level stays really high through the show in class you can kind of sit back when it's you're not up and and watch the other ones uh you still have to be engaged and you know and, and pay attention and think about how that would apply to you mm. in the show you're almost performing when you're on the back bench because you're like mm -hmm. you're just watching them so intently you're so into it it almost feels you're not on stage but it almost feels like you're right there with them mm -hmm. and um ava told us that when we come on the stage, the energy that we have is the energy that the audience is going to give back to you. So you have to be better be high. So I came on, I think hopping around or something, jumping on stage. Yeah. And I've seen like the shows where, um, you know, Shelly will just dance. Oh yeah. The, the shows, yeah. She'll just 
dance in front of everybody for the whole like the whole um, first minute where people have just come on the performers have just come on so getting that intensity really high um, is different from class um, yeah um, and then the scenes themselves they're the stakes are a little higher. This this the stakes feel higher because you have more people watching you. Mm-hmm. But it helps, I think, because you're kind of electrified by the audience. Yeah. And by and by the fact that there's ten, ten or nine performers, you know, right there with you versus like maybe one on the scene. And yeah. Your partner, your your other other students watching you. Um, yeah. So it's like an, um, I guess a slightly more intense version of of class. Mm. That's a good way to put it. And I think, like you said, yeah, those kind of 10 other people or so who are in the show with you, like, you're like, well, okay, we're all buying in. This is a crazy thing we're doing. And uh, right off the bat, you know, when you come out on stage, bring that energy. Like, I like that you're jumping around. Like, the audience is there to have a good time. You're there to have a good time. Like, let's have a good time. Yeah, and it creates a so real... So important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it helps It helps the other performers, too. Like, when everybody's kind of dancing and jumping and high energy, that it kind of feeds on itself almost. Mm, yeah. And it's, it, there's a bond that's created. I think like the, the people, the people I performed with, we were all first time cast members. Mm. So now we're friends forever. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're like, well, we all just did this together. This was like yeah. a momentous yeah. thing for us. Yeah. We jumped through the circle of fire together. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, friends for life. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, really cool. I'm excited to get to do classes or perform, perform yeah. with them again. Um, yeah, and that, that 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 bond comes from being on a show um, mm. more than from being in class. I mean, that that bond is like very special to be on a show together. I think mm. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, I got a couple more questions for you before we jump into our games. Um, so, our second to last question: What do you think has been the impact of improv in your life? I can tell you. The, yeah, I can tell you the place it has in my life, and specifically, yes, IFTP. Um, I started therapy around the same time that I started improv. Mm. Like I think my first session was in May and my first class was in June or something like that. Mm. So pretty pretty close. And it's a, it's a funny coincidence and it's a coincidence that I can ascribe meaning to if I, if I want to, because they're both like, they have both been, um, they both uh, supported like uh, growth in me, you know, Um, because for example, my, my therapist, told me you're, you're just hungry for connection because I'm new to LA and LA stuff, you know, so I wanted community. I wanted to be part of something. Yeah. And I found that at IFTP and it happened. It really, uh, it really uh, gelled for me during camp because being able to connect with that many people in this short amount of time and connect in such a deep and heartfelt and almost emotional way was huge. And I, I realized like, I didn't really know where improv was going for me. Like I'm taking classes. I'm enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Then after camp, I was like, Oh, I can get better at this and I can become like friends with these people for like, you know, long-term, like real friends with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for the, it, it was, uh, it's a very healthy uh, part of the balance of my life for me to be able to come here every week and connect with people, uh, make friends and, and, and do improv. Mm. And I also think <clears throat> You're when you're faced with like a little, uh, some somewhat of an existential crisis because um, you realize that we're all finite 
and uncertain people, like <laughs> you, you, you're facing the prospect of death, disease, catastrophe, tragedy. Uh, we all live in we live in a chaotic world yeah. that's really messed up and, and over which we don't have a lot of control, um, and and there's a lot of uncertainty there. So how do you, if you're religious, you can find comfort in prayer and surrender to something that's bigger, a higher level, yeah. right? Something that's bigger than you. And I'm not, I'm not religious at all. So uh, I find, I find that being immersed in an activity that doesn't have anything to do with the rest of life, it, like it's not useful in any practical way. It doesn't correspond to the demands of society and, and, and the economy and, and, and everyday life, basically. Right. Yeah. It's, it's outside of that, but you can still um, immerse yourself in it, surrender to it, forget yourself in a way, forget the self or the part of yourself that is anxious about uh, death and chaos, basically, and, mm. and, and lose yourself in that. Um, when you do that, and I, and I can, I find that I can do that with improv mm. because, because when you're engaged in the scene, you're like, you're like in the scene, you're nowhere else. Right. It's like you disappear, uh, for, for two minutes and then you're back kind mm. of, um, and improv, improv is a real celebration of life for me because you mm. are, you are, when you're doing a scene, you're, you're using your own experience, right? You draw on everyday life to make a scene. So, um, it's like, um, it, it's, it's kind of a way to poke fun about poke fun at everyday life, mm. like an, a scene in an office, you're poking fun of, uh, at office politics, right? Yes. Or if it's a first date, you're kind of poking fun at how sheepish, sheepish we all are on a first date, those politics. Life is like a comedy of manners and we get to make fun of it. But in a very heartfelt, like it comes from yeah. a, a place of love. It comes from the heart when we do it in improv. Mm. And so we all, I think we can all rejoice in the fact that we have a common experience of just living here in LA, specifically here, and, and we, can, we can have fun with it. And I think that's a way to celebrate life beyond the madness and the darkness. And, and you're doing it with people and you're doing it with new people a lot of the time. And so you get to connect with new people like through by moving, hopping from one class to the next or being in like a flex level classes where it's, there are new people every month. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I get to meet so many new people and discover yes. that everybody is bringing something different to scene and you discover a little truth about them through a very unconventional and unique way, which is by playing with them in a scene, as opposed to socializing with them. Like, hey, would you grow up? Like, what do your parents do? What do you do? Yeah. It's not the same. You're like, you're doing a scene, he, you know, they're being a character, you're being a character, you're breaking up with them or, or whatever it is, you're in a fight, or you're declaring your love for them and then you see how they react. And mm. They bring a style to it, a flavor. Yeah. Everybody has a different flavor. Yeah. And, um, being able to connect in a unique way to different people and that many people and then have forming really deep connections and some of them friendships, I think it's like, it's a way to, it, it's really life affirming for me. It's almost a way to fight back against, against um, all the forces in life that, that, that just bring you down. Yeah. And I realized that it's almost, um, at least for me, I think, it's it's kind of a resp I found that it's kind of a responsibility to stay um, 
to still have the faith in life and faith in humanity and, and still believe in human connection through, um, you know, through the terrible world that we live mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And it, what's great about, about IFTP is that um, it's all different ages. Yes. And I was, talking to, I, I was talking about that with some of my friends recently. Uh, he, was, he was saying it's really important to spend time and socialize with people from all, all, all kinds of ages, yeah. all different ages, not different just your own bubble. Yeah, exactly. And at IFTP, you can do that. And you can sort of forget about your own age by being hanging out with people um, who are a different age than you are. And the age doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I discovered uh, doing improv at IFTP that um, you, can, you can celebrate yourself and celebrate others even though uh, the, the world is kind of messed up and, and even though like, we're all like vulnerable beings, basically. Uh, like um, something that was, something uh, Annie Rose said at camp, that is one of the best takeaways I had from, from camp. She was talking about um, not be able, uh, she was talking about dancing and then she was saying, I discovered that I can celebrate my body for the amazing things that it has done and the amazing things that it can do still mm. like holding someone and comforting someone mm. or dancing or going hiking long distance. And you can do, if you're lucky, you can do these things for a long time. Yes. And even though, you know, I mean, in your late thirties, you, you, you're kind of aware of your own age and you're like, I'm not 19 anymore. You know, I'm still, young. I'm not 19 anymore. And that stuff doesn't get easier as you, as you, get older I don't think I'm sure and but wherever you're at you can celebrate yourself and being alive mm. and being able to form connection with other people yes and IFTP gave, um, I think gave me the awareness um, of that and for that I'm very grateful yeah I think I think that's really beautiful and I just hearing what you said about the idea of you know not losing sight of positivity in a world that can often be so negative and there's a lot of pain I think when we have places like this or just, you know, the connections with people that we get here, it's, it's really important, you know, don't lose all hope. Exactly. Yeah. It's important not to lose the focus on, on joy and the possibility of joy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Well said. Well said. All right. My final question for you, and then we'll do some improv. What do you think is next for you, Sylvan, in your improv journey or career? Any goals that you have or any hopes? I would, so for my improv, personally, I think I want to try to um, develop, uh, try to be in character more, mm. make character choices versus being uh, just a version of myself. I think that's something I don't do very often and I don't really know how to go about it really. Mm. So working on that uh, would be great. Um, I would love to uh, do more shows. I'm doing a show soon, so that's great. I'm oh, happy about really? that. Like. The, the idea that um, to be in, be in future shows is very exciting. Yeah, definitely. In yeah. February, right? Or this month, in yeah. a couple of weeks. Yep. I, yeah, I think right. I know when that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and keep doing the, the uh, outside events, like um, the, the jams, the workshops, things mm -hmm. like that. Like, I hope there's yeah. a... A lot of good opportunities. Yeah, if there's a drama prof around the corner, then I'll, I, will, I will sign up for it. Because I think that sounds very interesting. Um, I missed the ones that happened last year and I would, I would love to do one this year. So, yeah. 
um, keep doing IFTP. Um, maybe tr uh, yeah, try uh, different classes mm -hmm. and doing the workshops and more shows. Those are all have good yeah. goals. Yeah, more yeah. classes, more workshops, more shows. Yeah. I'm all about it. More improv. All right. Speaking of more improv, you ready to play some games? Yeah. All right. Here we Let's go. So the first game that we're going to play, Sylvain, uh, is uh, this one. I don't know if this name is good, but it's the name I came up with. It's called Scene Study. And uh, in this game, uh, we're going to get a suggestion for a scenario. And we're just going to play out the scenario. We're going to improvise it. Uh, yeah. And then I'll black us out when I think we are done. So you are going to be playing a zombie uh, that is convincing me, uh, your coworker, that uh, I need to put in a little more effort in my work. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then, uh, yeah, we'll just go ahead and get started. I'll black us out when we're done. Phillips? Yeah. What's up, Philip? Man. You seem a little distracted today. Oh, yeah. I was just, uh, you know, I was taking one of those online personality quizzes. You know, it turns out, uh, because I like waffles, you know, that means I'm uh, irresponsible with my money. That's what the quiz told me, which I think is ridiculous. So I'm going to take it again to see if I get a different result. You know, James, uh, I would recommend that you go back to that, to that pie chart that we, you were working on. Oh, no, Philip, that, that pie chart's not important. I have until uh, 5 p.m. to get it done. I'm telling you, this quiz is really interesting. No, I'm... I'm not feeling well, James. And I would really like you to just get your mind, get your eyes on that pie chart and just type away and show me that data. Oh. Just show it to me and be ready. You better be ready early. Yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm sorry you're not feeling well. I... I understand that getting this done is important to you. I know we, we have that joint uh, presentation tomorrow on this pie chart, and well, I guess, I guess I do have a job to do, right? Let me show you here. Oh. Involved more engaged in your work, Chan. Right, you're you're moving quite quite faster than I do. Wow, you a coffee drinker? I I'm feeling very feverish, mm. and you're looking very. Tasty, James. Well, uh, so Philip, I, uh, yeah, I might need to get back to this pie chart now. I, yeah. 
I mean, thank you for opening up the window on my computer. I appreciate it. But uh, you're you're starting to make me I feel a little uncomfortable. Finish. I want you to finish it, but I'm I'm going to roll up your sleeve. Okay. Yeah, I just want to look at, at your forearm and maybe take a bite at it. Hum. Black ass. <laughs> oh boy. Your zombie noises that you made like the chomping those were fantastic. Those were, I was like, this is what a zombie sounds like. I, I hope that, I hope I make the audience, uh, the listeners cringe. I, I was those. just trying not to crack up because you just like the, those are, yeah, they're going to, they're going to sound, sound very powerful. That's what a zombie sounds like. And you just got it perfectly. <laughs> like, have you, have you ever played Minecraft before? No, I know what it is, but I've never. Played yeah, it. there's there's zombies in the game, and they have oh. a very similar sound, like oh, just really? kind of the low, like, uh, and then the like. I was like, oh my gosh! I was trying to be, I was trying to be sick because zombies are sick. Yes. I was trying to I have be a slow because they're slow and <laughs> eat you because they end up eating. Yeah, people, so. yeah. and honestly, probably for your sake and your job, it would have been more useful to eat me than to let me continue to be your coworker. So yeah, that was a good choice. Yeah, that was great. That was great. All right. Uh, moving on to our next game. Uh, this one is called Internet Date. This is an IFTP classic where uh, you and I were both going to have our random screen names. And uh, I found these screen names that we have on a random username generator. So, you know, very, very great. And uh, we're just meeting up for, uh, for a date. We only know each other by our screen names. So your name is going to be Naive Salad 12. So you're Naive Salad 12. And my name is <laughs> Meaty Set Three Two Eight. Meaty Set Three Two Eight. S E T. Yes. Yes. And I'm Salad. Naive Salad. Naive Salad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the Meaty like Chicken. <laughs> meaty Set Three Two Eight. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. Meaty Set Three Two Eight. Oh my Naive Salad. <gasps> Oh my, it's good to see you. Oh, this is, okay, I don't, you know, I've never actually met someone online and then met them in person. I, I always get nervous and then I cancel, but I had a good feeling about you. And Oh, you look great. I mean, you're, yeah. you're in great shape, yeah. uh, just like your pictures. Like, you, oh you don't gosh. lie about that. That's, that make me, makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah. Your, your avatar profile picture is spot on to what you look like. I mean, you're... Five foot one, just like you said, you know, and that, yeah, it's nice to know there's people out there telling the truth online, naive salad. I, oh man, I'm relieved. Yeah. 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 So I know that, I know that you come here often, right? Yeah, I do. Um, this yeah. is uh, my, my favorite, uh, coffee shop, you know, a Starbucks. I know, I know it's a chain, but it's consistent, you know. That's what I like about it. I think I think Starbucks great. I think they really care about about the coffee they're making, and they 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 really care about the pastries, and it's all like very well made. And and I I eat there often myself, and I think it's just it just feels so so authentic to me. Yeah, yeah. It's Definitely. quaint. It's dainty. Yeah, it's it's always fun to be in a Starbucks. I'm very glad you brought me here. Absolutely, and yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be honest because. You know, that's why we're here, to be honest, is I wanted to meet you at a Starbucks because I was a little worried I might get, you know, stabbed or something. The internet can be a scary place, but 
You're not going to stab me, right? No, you don't have to worry about me. No, <laughs> no, no. salad wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. yeah, so I yeah, so the gym that's next door, that's where you work out, right? Yeah, yeah. that I mean, when I mean that's how we met, you know, I saw your post on that bodybuilding forum and I just commented and well, our conversation took off from there. So, I uh, I'm glad I can, you know, maybe after we finish our coffees, we can pop over to the gym and I can show you where I lift. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you were just there, right? Yeah, yeah I was. Because I see you have your bag, yeah. So you want to go back after this? I do. Sure, I, yeah. I, I love know, working out. I'm very new to to working out. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I you know, I went on the forum because I just wanted to learn about about. Um, what it's like to work out, what do you have to bring at the gym? Because sure. I, don't, I don't know anything. Like, do you have oh. to bring a change of clothes or do you have to bring your own food? You know, what do people do there? And, yeah. and do, you have to, do you come with a friend or do you go by yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm never sure. So, you know, I showed up on there and, and people have a lot, lot to say about gyms. And they do. Yeah, and they're, they're really into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, I saw your post about, you know, uh, what kind of protein shake to use and, 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 how how you kind of boosted your nutrition lately because you realized that you weren't eating enough protein yeah. uh, for the amount of work uh, workout that you were doing and the weight that you were after. Like I thought it was, like, I never thought about food or working out that way. Mm. I didn't know that it was a science. I thought like you you lift the weight, you get tired, and I don't know, and then you take a walk outside and you feel better or something. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to learn from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I see why your username had naive in it. <laughs> but uh, I would love to teach you. It would be my honor. You know, uh, going to the gym is one of my favorite activities. I, I go once, sometimes twice a day. And uh, I'm just all into that nutritional science, you know, supplements and protein powder. I, I love PB Fit. That's my favorite brand. It's, it's like a peanut butter flavor. And it's got some good macros. Ooh, very wow. tasty. Well, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know anything about that. Maybe after we work out, you, if you want, you could come back to my place. I could make you a shake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can it be like a kind of a green smoothie or something like that? Green smoothie, I, sure. I love greens. Yeah, I've got yeah. Uh, this supplement called uh, Athletic Greens. It's got you know all your, your vitamins and minerals and your, your daily vegetable intake in it as well. Oh, I love veggies. And green is, is my favorite color. So it's like, it's. Nothing's more appetizing to me than, than green food, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of I, course. I love a lettuce. I love, I love little gems. I love kale. I love kale. <sighs> now you've salad. I, uh... Yeah, that's why I call myself... I see, I see. Because, you you know, you're kind of new to the world, but you know what you love. I really appreciate that. And, you know me, I just... I love getting my sets done in the gym. I'm kind of a meathead. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm there so much. I'm eager to discover because I, I really have like no body strength. Yeah, I can, I can tell. I mean, you you struggle to lift up that uh, uh, small coffee you have there. I know. I'm, it's, I'm it's a mere twelve ounces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll work on that together. You know, we'll get your wrist strength up, and we'll get you on a nice workout plan. There's there's nothing I love more than than helping someone who's new to the gym. Wow. It's yeah, a, I would love to do a session with you, especially yeah. someone who you know maybe wants to be more than. Just a friend. I'm sorry. I hope I'm not being too forward. No, Beanie. No, I think I'm. 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 I'm open. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm open to discovering where this goes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I'm excited to work out. To be honest. Yeah. It's new to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not for long. <laughs> Don't trying. worry. You spend a, you spend a week with me. 
You'll be a, you'll be an old gym rat by the end of it. Oh, I will. Yes. And I will know the people there. You'll know everyone. You'll and all know the, all, all the stations, the workout contraptions that they have there. All of the machines. Wow. You'll know them. You'll know the weights, how many, how many plates you want to add to the bar before you start doing, you know, the bench press or, you know, squatting or deadlifts. Oh, wow. That sounds hard though. Oh, no, it's easy. Trust me. You got a good guide like me. There's nothing I know more than my way around a gym. Oh boy. And yeah. I, I heard they even have showers there. Oh yeah. They got some showers back there. You know, that's why you bring a change of clothes. Cause after you work out, you know, you get all sweaty and disgusting. So you want to clean off afterwards. Really? Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of fun being back there, you know, that. with all, with all your friends, you're all showering, just, uh, enjoying the workout. <laughs> Uh, so you do come with friends. That's cool. That's Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing I often think about at the gym is a little saying, uh, me and some of my other weightlifting buds have a uh, nudity is community. Really? Yeah. Wow. Is that, is that something that interests you naive salad? You know, I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard that, you know, in, in the sauna, you have to strip down, don't you? That you do. Hey, we won't let you in there if you don't. We'll say, hey, God, you, really? you take off that wetsuit. You make people take off their clothes before the sauna? It's part of the gym experience. Meaty said. That's me, naive salad. I can see it, though. Look. And the people will be nice to me, even if I'm naked in the sauna. Absolutely. I hope so. I hope they're nice over there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they are. Look, at this Planet Fitness, we have some of the nicest people. It's a judgment-free zone. Certified. Wow, that's, that feels great. I have a good feeling about that. Yeah. Being able to work out without thinking about what other people think of you. Yeah. Without worrying about that. Yeah, well... I... I might be judging you a little bit, but that's because I only care so much. But the other people, I won't let them judge you. Oh, I guess that's okay coming from you. Yeah. Because I know you mean well. Well, I do. I just want what's best for you. I want you to be, you know, I don't want you to be a naive salad forever. I want you to be a meaty salad one day. A meaty salad? Yeah. We're talking cob. Ooh. Parmesan. Parmesan. Chicken breasts. Caesar chicken salad. I can see it. Just a chicken salad. That's a meaty salad. Oh. Yeah, maybe something with more iron in it next time. Uh, some sort of a salmon salad. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself, maybe, but yeah. I can but picture. No, I can picture romaine. Oh. <gasps> I can picture beef on the bed of romaine. <gasps> That's gonna be I just us. thought of something. What did you think of salad? Barbecue ribs on greens. With the barbecue sauce dripping all over those lettuce leaves. I would eat that salad. Salad? Will you let me be the meat to your salad? Meaty. Oh. I would like nothing more. Let's go to the gym. Let's pump some iron. Blackout. 
I didn't know where that scene was going, but I liked our dialogue and we were just along for the ride, you know? Yeah, I could picture us working out together and yeah. then me slowly realizing that I'm hungry for meat. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, yeah. you did a really good job incorporating your username into some of your choices there, your character choices. Just even the, the nervousness. All right. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. We got one more yeah. game we're going to play. Um, this one, probably going to be pretty quick. Uh, this game is called Commercial. Uh, you and I, uh, we're going to get a random object. I don't know what it is yet. Uh, we're going to be given a random object, and we're just going to improvise a commercial for that object. All right. Yeah? All right, so here we go. Um, our random object is a mirror. Let's sell a mirror. I'm a man, and I want to know what I look like in the morning. Yeah, men deserve to look in a mirror and see themselves before they face the day. If you, want, if you want your day to be better, start with the man in the mirror. Look at yourself. See something you got to fix? Fix it. Wash your face. Comb your hair. Moisturize. Pluck your eyebrows. Shave your beard. Keep the mustache, maybe. Trim your nose hair. Trim your nose hair. Trim your ear hair. Flex the muscle. Get in shape for the day. Kiss the mirror. <laughs> kiss the mirror. Because when you're kissing the mirror... You're planning one on your own lips. And that's, that, my friend, is how you start a good day. Mm. Because if you love yourself, no one's going to bring you down. Nothing you can do, you do is wrong when you love yourself. And nothing is wrong when you do it in the mirror. Start with the mirror. End with the mirror. Blackout. <laughs> That was a great closer. Start with the mirror, end, end with, with the, the mirror. mirror. And you, uh, you were kind of doing the Michael Jackson lyrics of Man in the Mirror too. <laughs> that got me. That got me. Because yeah, I was yeah. just, I was like, oh, I mean, it's a great song. Yeah. How could you not? Great song. If we're talking about a man in the mirror. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Great that wonderful. It, it's, it's mostly for men who need like that boost, uh, yeah. that morning boost. It's very positive, you know. Look at yourself. <laughs> Make sure you look good. Shave that beard. Yeah, so basic, uh, you know, maintenance. And then kiss yourself. Get out there. Wonderful, wonderful. Fuck your nose. Yeah. Hey, that, hey that's important. Ear hair, nose gotta hair. Do gotta do we, it. We got yeah. some things we got to maintain it's going on in this area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sylvan, for playing with me. Uh, before thank we you. conclude tonight's episode, I want to give you the chance. Any final words you want to leave us with? I love that um, improv... Um, Matt refers to improv as an art form. Mm. Um, in many ways, improv is an art form, and doing improv is about. It's also about honoring the art form, with like the format, the rules, all the different exercises that we do, and it's just, it's just, um, it's really a beautiful thing to do. It's very satisfying to feel yourself getting better at it and doing it with um, a lot of really, really cool people. Definitely, well said, well said, and. Oh, yeah. Improv is the art form. <laughs> That's why the we're here. Form, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sylvan, for joining us on this week's episode of Improv for the Podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our other previous episodes, please make sure to check us out on social media or leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But until next time, we'll see you. 
improv for the podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>